What's up, what's up? Welcome to TikToking. I am your host with the most, Kevin Hughes. And today we talk about weight loss. And not just a little bit of weight loss, but a lot of weight loss. David Roden is my guest today. And he has lost over 200, yes, 200 pounds. It is absolutely insane. So inspiring. The guy is just incredible. Such an amazing story. You guys are going to absolutely love this episode. And it inspired me. And hopefully everybody listening, it gives you a little bit of motivation. If you're struggling a little bit, just listen to this guy. I promise you, it'll get you motivated. So without further ado, guys, here is David Roden. This week on TikToking. Enjoy. TikToking. TikToking. Where creators come to play. TikToking, a TikToking, find out what they have to say. TikToking, a TikToking, fascinating interview. TikToking, a TikToking, TikToking with Kevin Hughes. David Roden, how are you, sir? I am phenomenal. How about yourself? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for coming on and being patient with me. Yeah, no problem. It, stuff happens. <laughs> so let me start off. Where, where are you from? I'm from Michigan. I live in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Oh, wow. My wife literally just came from there uh, a couple days sure. ago. She just got back. Yeah, she's she's from there. That's crazy. Really? What, how, what part? Like, what part of GR? Uh, I, I've never been there. I'd have to ask her, but uh, man, how come I cannot... So we got if like you Forest, Hill, Forest Hills, Rock. I mean, it's always, it's like, it's a kind of, it almost gets the point like Detroit and stuff where it's like, when you say you're from Detroit, are you actually from Detroit or are you from like one of the burbs around Detroit? Grand Rapids is big enough where it's like, it tends to be, you're not from GR. It's like, you're from Lowell, you're from Forest Hills, you're from East Grand Rapids, all this kind of stuff. So is it? Yeah. I want to say by Greenville, Greenville. Greenville. Center? Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Kind of over in that area. Nice. Yeah, so she just got back, so that's cool. <laughs> Coincidence. And, that's wild. Uh, and where are you at? So I'm here in Colorado. You're in Colorado. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, and what do you do for a living? So I'm a full-time, I run my own business. Um, over the last eight years, I have lost and thrived losing 200 pounds. And so about two years ago, I dove into fully building my own business um, with a partner of mine, John. We started a company called Accountable Life Group, ALG mm -hmm. for short. And we just focus on truly 100 pound plus transformations, like people who have been significantly overweight most of their life um, and helping them learn the, the mindset, nutrition and fitness routines and how to transform their life. That is amazing. And actually, I had that's how I came across you actually on your live. And okay. I happened to see that. I think you had something in your bio that said down 200 pounds and uh, you were actually walking on the treadmill and I started listening and it's so crazy to me. I mean, that is such a substantial amount of weight. And I was so curious. I mean, what got you started and, and what really uh, got your mindset in, in the right way? hundred percent. So it's cool. Cause I've been quote unquote in maintenance and, or whatever you want to call it for eight years now. So like, or my total oh, wow. transformation is eight years in the making. Um, it took me about three years to drop 200 pounds in body fat, um, from 22 to 25. And then from 25 to 26, I had two excess skin removal surgeries. And then from 26 to 30 now is like, I got it. I fell in love with more bodybuilding, strength training, all that kind of stuff. Um, what got me to start? It's kind of fascinating. When you get to the more the back of the story, um, people always ask like, "How do you get that big?" Because I weighed over 400 pounds by the time I was 18. Wow. I weighed over 400 pounds. Um, most ironic part about that: my dad's a cardiologist. He's a heart doctor. <laughs> <laughs> so that's like it, the definition of almost insanity. Your dad's a heart right. doctor, and you're 400 pounds by the time you're 18. I was pre-diabetic, high blood pressure, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then basically fast forward, I lived that life until I was 22. Um, and at 22, I was in this transition phase in college. I was, I was in the process of being pre-med like my dad. Um, I was going to go to med school. I had my EMT license, which is also just hysterical. You're, you're an EMT and you're, <laughs> but, um, it's fascinating how you can know what you're doing to yourself and still not change. 
but 22, I made the decision like that med school just wasn't for me. And I just was like in this transition phase in life. And I started surrounding myself with these new friends that were big into business, personal growth, reading books. And the, the biggest shift for me happened when I read a book called The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. And that book profoundly changed my perspective on, on weight loss in particular, just because like, I, I, like 400 pound David, I just thought like, oh my gosh, I gotta lose 200 pounds. And like when you, when you hyper-focus on the, the big goal, if you don't believe it's possible, you'll never take the incremental steps to make it happen. And so like, I just never thought losing 200 pounds is possible. So every time I would try, I didn't really try. Like you, you do some random nutrition plan. I talked my dad into buying the P90X or the ab lounge or whatever. And, and it wasn't really an emotional investment because I just didn't think it was possible. But like, it, this sounds crazy. It almost sounds like mysticism, but it's, did you know if you lose two pounds a week for a hundred weeks, you lose 200 pounds? That, that sounds like mysticism to me at the time. I'm like that. I'm like, okay. And so right. at the time I was 410 pounds and I was like, all right, next Sunday I'm before away. Boom. I hit it. I'm like, all right, next Sunday I'm before six. Boom. I hit it next Sunday. I'm before four. Boom. I hit it. I hyper-focused on two pounds a week for the first 50 pounds. I didn't think about 50. I didn't think about losing a hundred. I didn't think about losing 200. It was just truly that that next logical step that got me in momentum. Um, but then I will admit, like when I stepped on the scale 50 pounds down in college, I broke. And I remember looking myself in the mirror and I'm saying to my like, David, you're changing your fucking life. Everything. And like anything you 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 are in control and you can change. And what, 16 months later, I dropped 200. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's a lot more in depth into all the nitty gritty, but that's like sure. the the thumbnail sketch. And I mean, I'm super grateful because I'm still good friends with a lot of these guys today. Um, I'm a huge advocate of law of association. Like who you surround yourself with most is who you become. And so it, it sucks mm -hmm. because your family, if they don't tr if they don't respect nutrition, you're probably not going to. And it's tough because it's like y you want to make the change, but no one else around you is doing it. So it makes it 10 times harder. Um, but at the time, the people I was hanging on with were super into setting goals and being disciplined and raising your standard. And so it did make the process easier because I had someone to like latch on to and build my momentum. Um, but that also, that also played a role as well. And when you, the first 50 pounds, when you were focusing on two pounds a week, what, what did you change to, uh, accomplish two pounds a week was it just your eating or were you exercising and eating as well yes so exercise or nutrition was the foundation um at the time i was doing what was called carb cycling so mm -hmm. it's not necessary but it was just the first thing that was given to me um so you had like high carb days and low carb days and you tracked your calories um and it was a higher protein diet and then basically the some days you do more higher fat and lower carb and other days you do higher carb and lower fat um and Honestly, early on, this is always the fun part is like when you're that big, you change a couple things and you wiggle your toes, you lose some weight. I mean, that's just, right. and so um, my goal early on was not having Taco Bell for one meal, two meals, three meals. And I'm like, sweet. And then I'd have Taco Bell or McDonald's or something. And then, all right, back on track. And then I'd have McDonald's again, four or five meals later, and then back on track. Um, and so it was truly incremental progress to me. I didn't cut anything out cold Turkey. I really tried to create sustainability in the process. Um, and then fitness wise, I didn't do a lot of lifting. I'll admit I, I, I published my first book, um, back in 2018, 2019. And I'm actually, a, if you're significantly overweight, I'm actually against lifting reason being for the, if you're anything like me, and you're really emotionally weak, like I couldn't handle a lot of pain. St strength training, it's painful. Like all the, all the muscle soreness, all the DOMS, all this kind of stuff, I couldn't handle it. And so for my first 100 pounds of my weight loss, it was playing pickup basketball in college with friends. It was walking outside and incline walking on a treadmill. That was it. Like that, hmm. that's all I did. I didn't do really any strength training until after I'd lost almost 150 pounds. Um, so yeah, my first hundred pounds was pretty much cardio and then controlling my nutrition.
And when you first started, like, I'm sure your, your diet wasn't the best, obviously, you know, when you got up to 400 pounds, how was that transitioning over to a more nutritious diet? Were you just feeling like you were hungry all the time and just not satisfied? And, and how did you, I guess, change your mindset to believe that what you were doing was right? Yeah. And so that's a phenomenal question. So nutrition early on was horrible. I mean, you don't get to 400 pounds by 18 by eating uh, too much fruit and and and, and stuff like that. Um, right. And so for me, I back then it was um, I my so going off the the whole story. Of my my dad, like my dad being a doctor, he worked 70, 80 hours a week. And then I had a mom who her love language, her way of showing love was just always saying yes. And so when you have basically unlimited access to money. And your mom always says, yes, what does every 10 to 18 year old kid want? Food and video games. <laughs> yep. And so we, we had Costco membership. And so my mom would, I'd always have friends over. And so we'd have a, my mom would buy two, three bags of Costco candy bags of Reese's peanut butter cups, like 24 counts. And I'd crank out a whole 24, 24 count of Reese's peanut butter cups in a night while playing video games. Wow. And I would hide, <laughs> I would hide the wrappers in the top drawer and then I wait for uh, trash night, and I pick up the trash can. I pick up one bag. I throw all the candy wrappers underneath, and I drop the bag on on top of it. No, no one knew. Um, and so, like, I was eating a Costco sized bag of Reese's every other day, going to fast food two, three, four times a day, and it was like, obviously, I'm dropping thirty bucks a, a session at T Bell, like. I, it's it's crazy. That's always a fun one to me. Is like this idea that eating healthy is is more expensive, and I'm like, uh, I, if you look at how much I ate at 400 pounds, no way it was more expensive than right. that. Um, and so I loved fast food. Taco Bell, that was a big thing for me. Sweets was also a big thing for me. I loved food in general. Um, and so that transition was tough. I think. For me, one of the biggest things that helped me the most was, number one, I really fell in love with drinking a gallon of water a day. And just getting that process of adding something, I think, is huge a huge benefit for me because so many people think diet or think I got to lose weight and it's all about cutting, cutting out this, cutting out that, cutting out this. Getting in the habit of drinking a gallon of water a day just helps you with satiety and fullness and all this kind of stuff. Um, and then the other biggest ad, like biggest benefit was I really focused on a high protein lifestyle early. I think that was huge for me. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't do exactly like today. I'm so refined on, all right, where's the data X? I'm a big science guy. So I always say 0.7 to one gram per pound and lean body mass at the time. What I, I was eating probably around 200 to 220 grams of protein a day. And when you get in that habit, you just feel fuller longer and you just feel more full throughout the day, which helped me out immensely. Um, but I slipped all the time. Like I got Taco Bell, sure. I got McDonald's, I was still in college. And so um, I think for me, being able to accept the fact of like, all right, I made a mistake, back on track, just like back to routine. I will admit, I, I, I talk about this quite a bit with people because having a good relationship with food is super friggin' important. And this is one of the things that the fitness world of TikTok tends not to do, right? And like, they're all about like, this is bad for you. This is bad for you. It's like, oh, shut up. Um, you shouldn't have it every day, but shut up. Some pizza is not going to kill you. Um, and right. so I did have a nasty habit for a bit there where I'd punish myself for having bad meals and I'd like go on, do an extra cardio and maybe I'd skip a meal for the sake of uh, a bad meal the day before. And looking back on that, I'm like, that sets you up for a nasty binge and purge cycle. Nasty. And so it's be careful. And so I talk about that with people. I'm like, hey, be careful. Like binging and purging is a real thing. And having a good, consistent relationship with food, I fell in love with the 90% uh, the rule. And that's why it, it took me three years to drop 200 pounds. I didn't, do, I didn't drop 200 pounds in freaking a year. Like you, you hear stories all the time of people losing 200 pounds in a year. And it took me three. Um, and because I, I kept balance as a part of it. And so I, I lived by the 90% rule where it's like, all right, so if you have, if you have three meals a day, seven days a week, that's 21 meals. If you get a 19 out of 21 on a test, 
you get an A. You get you get a B plus, A minus. You do that every single week, you're Gucci. And like you're gonna be fine. Yeah. And so I I truly live by the 90% rule, which made the process a little slower. Uh, but I'm in a very small group of people that I'm eight years into this and I'm only getting leaner and stronger every year. And so that has helped me immensely from like early on being okay with having fast food every so often, being okay with having some indulgences, like, gosh, like, it's not just about fucking just being shredded. It's about living life, man. And like, that means eating some ice cream from time to time. Like, oh my, all these, all these fitness zealots that are like, there's no nutritional value in ice cream. It gives me some joy. So shut up. (laughs) It tastes tastes good. good. It tastes delicious. (laughs) I know. It's like, oh my gosh, these fitness zealots are ridiculous. Um, and so when I was in high school, I had like, I've always been a bigger build and I had to kind of maintain, I I was a lineman in football. So I kind of had to maintain that build, you know? And then once I got out of high school, all of my twenties, I was really into bodybuilding. I was lifting hard. That was like my main focus. Then when I had kids, it kind of went away, but then the last I don't know, I'd say 2016 to 2019, I was hitting it again. Well, then 2020 came along, and unfortunately, I have that body type, and, and I love sweets, yep. and that that's my downfall. But 2020 came, the pandemic hit, and on top of that, right smack in the middle of pan- the pandemic, after everything shut down, I had an accident and had to have reconstructive knee surgery. So that took me out for another four months. Yep. And ever since then, man, I have just struggled, even though I've had that mindset in the past, I have really struggled to find that balance of just wanting and knowing to eat healthy because I get those cravings all the time. And I, and I felt like now that I'm older, it's even harder to, to get rid of that stuff and, and, and concentrate on and focus on just the healthy stuff and getting back in the gym because man, eight hours, 10 hours of work. And I just want to come home and do, nothing. <laughs> you know, 100%. <laughs> it, it, yeah. And it's really hard. And the one thing I noticed when I was changing my body and, and I'm hoping to get back into it soon. And I'm, I'm thinking this conversation is already getting me excited. So I'm hoping this is going to really help me change my mindset. But the one thing that I, I hear a lot of people talk about in myself when I was going through it, the when you actually see yourself change, that's when it really yep. sets in. But the but the whole time before that, when you're working out for you know, it takes like three to four months before you actually see a change in yourself and other people see a change in you. But that three or four months you feel like you're working your ass off. And nobody's saying anything. No one's like, oh, you look good. Or you can't look in the mirror and say, man, I see a difference. And that kills 100%. a lot of people. And and that brings their mentality down. That brings their motivation down. And how did you do with that when you were at that weight and you were, you know, two pounds a week? Is that all you were set on? Or did you really feel like, man, nothing's changing. I don't know if I should keep 100%. Going. No, that's I talk about this all the effing time and so like on the uh when i do my tiktok lives in particular um i go nuts when someone says hey i'm i'm 335 um i've been working out and i've only lost 17 pounds and i'm like do you understand how debilitating and demoralizing it is to devalue and deflate progress there's nothing that's going to harm your progress more than going, yeah, I've only lost 17 pounds. I'm like, you've lost fucking 17 pounds. Go pick up a 15-pound dumbbell and say, do you want that back on your body, yes or no? And so I think it, it is one of the most important things is finding as many ways to seek progress and celebrate progress as you can. And sometimes it's the number on the scale. Sometimes it's going to be uh, your your pant size getting smaller. Sometimes it's going to be feeling better in your car. I mean, non-scale victories should be the primary focus for most people. And it's like, you look at, um, through, through my journey, it's like being able to find as many ways of why I'm doing this. And so many people mm-hmm. just fixate on the number 
And at the end of the day, the number is just an ambiguous bullshit thing we just make up. Like, like I, I talk about this all the time. Like, I'm, currently, I'm 237. I'm like 19% body fat-ish. Um, I'm competing in another bodybuilding show in October. So I got to drop 30, 35 to be sub 10%. Um, and so like in that process, it's funny because you, you got to remember realistically for my health, I have about a 40, 30 pound weight distribution to be healthy, 30 to 30 pounds. Mm-hmm. Like realistically, anyone who builds healthy habits, you got like 30 pounds you can be and be healthy. And so right. if you don't find ways to have multiple ways to celebrate progress and track progress, the number on the scale is going to kill you. I think it's a tool. I think it's something you should look at. I think it's one of many things. But guess what? How strong you are in the gym is a great way to celebrate progress. The body fat percentage going down is a great way to celebrate progress. Blood pressure dropping is a great way to celebrate progress. Um, your blood work in general, uh, how you feel, how you how you sit and close, all of it. The more ways you, it's it's like uh, science. I'm a science guy. Reticular activating system (RAS) is the, it's the it's the part of the brain that just seeks out what you ask. Um, and so, mm-hmm. like obviously, you fall in love with like I. Your dream car is the new 2022 Corvette. And all of a sudden, you just like, I want one so bad. And they just start coming and showing up everywhere. And so it's it's a real part of your brain where whatever you focus on, you will find more of because it's actively looking for it. If you focus on how am I progressing, what are things that are that are happening right now that are getting better, you will find it. If you ask yourself, why am I not seeing progress, you'll find it. And so it's super important on the journey that you seek out as many ways to track progress as you can, because sometimes it's going to be the number on the scale. Sometimes it's going to be blood pressure. Sometimes it's going to be how you fit in your car. I mean, all of it comes together that if you just choose some ambiguous number for success, you're fucked. Like, I mean, it just doesn't work. Right. Like, it's just an ambiguous number and it'll kill you in the end. You know how many people I work with that like, they put their whole life value in some ambiguous number. And it's like, yeah, you should be in a healthy range. Like, I get that. But it's like, I need to get to 145. What is 145, man? Like, what? What? it's, it's just a number. Exactly. And so, like, and f- making sure that has been one of the ways that I've found the consistency comes from is because it's like, that's where I push back heavy on the body positivity and obesity movement. It's like... The quality of your life plummets in obesity and you can pivot it all you want and say, well, it's like walking up a flight of stairs sucks when you're 400 pounds, fitting in clothes that finding clothes that fit going to DXL is not the, it's just, it's annoying. I like going to normal clothes places and like being able to find as many ways why your life is being benefited through the progress and through the process is way more important than the number itself. Um, that helped me out immensely because I was like, holy shit, I'm getting, this is happening. And oh, wow, I just walked up the whole flight of stairs and I didn't have to stop and fake a text on my cell phone for the sake of catching my breath. I'm like, this is awesome. And right. so I, I really actively tried to find ways that my life was getting better throughout the process as much as just an ambiguous number on the scale. Well, and and I get that question a lot too, just conversing with friends when we get talking about working out. So I have a few people that have said, man, I worked out for three months and I only lost, you know, 15 pounds, 16 pounds. And, you know, the biggest thing I tell them is you may have lost that on the scale, but you've been working out and lifting. So you're gaining muscle and muscle always weighs more than fat. So in all reality, if you were to cut that muscle out, you probably lost double, you know, what you actually think you lost. So I'm like, don't pay attention to that number on the scale. Always, you know, every week is what I used to do. Every Friday is in the morning, I would take a picture of myself with my shirt off. And that's how you really see your progress. And, uh, and I mean, that scale can say you lost one pound, but you know what, if you look better and feel better, then that's a lot better than what, you know, you're going to get out of the satisfaction of a number being five pounds less. hundred percent. You know, and, uh, and, and the big thing to me there too, is, um, <laughs> I, I'm like the anti-fitness fitness guy. 
Um, I don't give a <laughs> shit what you do. Like, I think this is a super important one too. Like f- finding ways to fall in love with the process is more important than even the outcome itself because it's like, I always talk about like high, like just because something's optimal scientifically doesn't mean it's necessary and doesn't mean it's going to be the best fit for you. It's like high intensity interval training, true hit training is optimal for fat loss. It is because there is an increased caloric burn mm-hmm. post like VO2 max. Like it, it is quote unquote optimal. The issue is if you hate it with your entire being, are you going to do it for the next 30 years? No. Right. No, you're not. And so like strength training versus calisthenics versus hit training versus circuit training versus hiking versus swimming versus biking versus running. I don't care. Like I really don't. What you got to find something you enjoy that you can do five days a week. That's important. Right. Um, but I remember I was at a uh, a wedding. Um, it was a family wedding, and my mom was talking to some middle aged woman, and it, this was post weight loss and and excess skin removal surgeries and everything. And so like obviously people see me in a suit, especially, and like no one would know I weighed over four hundred pounds. Um, and then I'll, right. my mom's telling me the story to this, uh, my story to this woman and she comes up to me and she's like, your mom told me your story. Oh my gosh. Can I need to talk to you? And like, she, she wanted to lose 15 pounds and all your classic. Um, and she's just getting her ass whooped by this personal trainer. And I'm like, that's fine and dandy. I was like, how, how do you like that? And she's like, I hate it. I was like, it ain't going to work. It ain't going to work. What, what do you mean it's not going to work? You're going to do it to a goal, and then you're never going to do it again. I was like, did you know you can get your same mm-hmm. outcome just by walking? Like, do you know that? Like, you could do this, you could do the same thing by walking five days a week if you change your nutrition. And you'll get 90%, 95% of what getting kicking your butt in the gym is doing. Like, so again, like, like I'm not against lifting. I think lifting is a great thing. Uh, but this idea that it is the definite desire for success and fitness and health and happiness is just nonsense. I, I hope people enjoy, find ways to enjoy strength training. Uh, but like, do you have to strength train to live in a healthy and happy body? No. Like, if it's walking your dog five days a week because you enjoy it, awesome. Like, that's fantastic. Like, you don't have to power lift your way into being healthy and happy. Um, and so like, I really, that process of how you lose the weight is just as important as losing the weight. Because if you hate it, good luck doing it for the next 40 years, because we, we talk constantly about losing weight, about living in a healthy body. It is very rare that anyone ever talks about maintenance. Like maintenance is the most Holy grail thing that is never talked about. How many people have lost a hundred pounds three times? It's like, and, exactly. and so I talk about constantly inside the community, like maintenance, maintenance, maintenance. Yes, the transformation is important. But guess what? You can, I, how many times have you lost 50 pounds? How many times have you lost 80 pounds? You probably lost 80 pounds 500 times. <laughs> and so yeah. if, if maintenance and enjoying the process isn't a part of, the, of what you do, good luck. Dick talking, dick talking with Kevin Hughes. The thing I notice if you just lose body fat, but you're not gaining muscle and, and if you are very, you know, large, you're not going to be able to tighten up that skin. You're going to have a lot of loose skin. And so that's where I think it's beneficial. Um, you're, you know, the more, it has its place. Yeah. And you're going to have, you know, you're going to build that muscle. So it's going to make your skin tighter. And of course you're going to have a little bit of loose skin if you're really large, but I mean, I think it minimizes that a little bit when uh when you do do the strength training and the other thing to go along with that the thing i argue with my wife and several other females in my life is i don't want to get bulky <laughs> no no it's not oh okay <laughs> it's actually the foods the food portion of it so every woman and i'm sorry for the listeners i'm not trying to be stereotypical but it that it seems to be the case women have it in their heads that Eating one meal a day is all they need. And then that's what they're going to lose weight, you know? And my wife was really stuck on that. She's like, I need to do an hour of cardio on the treadmill and only eat one meal a day. And 
that is so wrong. You have to eat five or six times a day, small portions. And, and, and it's, that's so important. All you're doing mm-hmm. is that weight you're losing is any muscle that you have built in your body. <laughs> Cause that if you're starving yourself, your body is going to attack the muscle because that's where the protein is. That's where all the nutrition is. So it's going to attack that muscle before it gets rid of that fat. So that is so important. Yeah, it's it's. I, I always talk about this. I was like, I, I actually, I like on my TikTok live today. This woman was eating like twelve or thirteen hundred calories, and she's like saying how she's just under eating. She's not a beat it. And I, I'm a I, I'm a huge advocate for again, you're you're fueling your body. And what does that mean? It means you're not overeating because overeating is harming yourself. Uh, but it also means not under eating, mm-hmm. like having a good relationship with food and having a good foundation. Uh, because again, like that's one of the biggest things that goes down to it. It's, it's most people constantly live in the diet roller coaster. It's the, it's just the constant hyper restriction, lose a bunch of weight very quickly. I can't sustain it. Binge it back. Hyper restriction, lose the weight really quickly. Oh, this just isn't for me. Gain it back. And so like, I'm just, I talk about it to the cows come home. It's like, I'm not against necessarily fast weight loss. You just have to know what it is and you have to know it's not sustainable. Right. Like if you want to lose the weight as fast as possible, I get it. I've been there. Like I, 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 what do you want to tell you? Like, of course I did. Um, but like the issue is if you don't, if you don't understand it's not sustainable and you can't build a long-term relationship with food and, I hate, I hope you got to remember if you're, if you're under the age of 40, 30 years, you're in maintenance. The goal should be 30 years. You're just maintaining. Maybe you're doing a little bit of bulking cutting to put on a little more lean muscle mass. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like most of your life should be thinking about maintenance. Like how can I maintain my new body and under eating is not a very good strategy for fueling yourself to maintain something in the future because it just creates a nasty cycle but yeah i it it is crazy it's it's i i get it all the time in all my lives i I get it both ways Men, men i get it from men too um it's like intermittent fasting um I mean, I, I go through the hierarchy. So number one, hydration, get in the habit of drinking a gallon of water a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is like the hierarchy of importance. Number two, calories. Calories is the second foundation. However, people that are just calorie zealots that all they talk about is calories. I'm like, no macros, higher protein lifestyle, focus on a higher protein lifestyle. Then after that, and you get your macros set, food quality is important, getting your vitamins, getting your minerals, all that kind of stuff, your micronutrients. And then finally, the least important but has influence is intermittent fat, like timing of your eating. And so it's like, don't worry about timing of your eating until you get your hydration set. Don't worry about micronutrients until you got your calories set. Don't worry about your, uh, what time your food meals are if you don't even have a calorie or protein goal. Like once you, once you understand the hierarchy of importance, that helps someone like actually make consistent progress because so many people, they jump to the newest fad thing, which plays the most minimal role. It's like, oh my gosh, the lectins in our vegetables. It's like, you're eating 7,000 calories a day. Who gives a shit about right. lactose? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, like, come on. Like, stop it. Right. Uh, but everyone wants that. I, th- I think that's super important, too, where everyone wants it to be some secret gremlin. They want it to be this. There's something in the water. They want it to be carbs. They want it to be meat. They want it to be sugar. They want it to be one specific thing because that gives them the out where it's like, well, see, I didn't really know this. And so this is why I'm fat and unhealthy. Yeah, it's because you consistently overconsume calories and you sit too much. Mm-hmm. That's it. Like that, that's the meat and potatoes. Like obviously there's subtle things you want to learn, but that's the meat and potatoes. Right. And everyone wants it to be some secret thing and it's just not. Well, and everybody, I think, has a mindset, too, that or they wish that there was some sort of pill that can just make yep. it all go away. And in all reality, uh, I'll never forget this. I had a coach that was uh, training me, and he said, you know, in the amount of time that it took for you to put on that weight, expect the same amount of time to lose it. I mean, 
if it takes nine months for a lady to give birth to a baby and that weight that they've put on in that nine months, expect nine months to get it off again. Yep. And, and people just get impatient. I mean, we live in a, in a world where it's go, go, go all the time. So people think it, that's how everything should be, but with our bodies and it's actually absolutely amazing the way our bodies work, the science part of it, but it just, it's so important to realize that it's not going to happen overnight. You got to give it time. Oh my gosh. The new, the fasting zealots drive me absolutely (laughs) off the wall. Like I had, I, I did like, it's so funny. Like, and it's funny because I actually do a three to five day water fast twice a year, Mm -hmm. uh, because there's potential health benefits, keyword potential. Um, I'm not gonna be like, Oh yeah, do a fast and you're going to cure your cancer. It's like, Oh, stop. Like, stop it. Well, and you do um, that too for your bodybuilding competition, right? Like the, it's like a day and a half or something like that. You're not allowed to drink any water or. Well, consume. yeah. So like when you, when you start doing water stuff towards the end, that stuff's mm-hmm. wild, yeah. not healthy at yeah. all, but, <laughs> uh, but yeah. And so it's like, I remember someone coming on my, like they come on lives every so often. They say, you know, if you, if you do extended fasting, it'll get rid of your excess skin. I'm like, I had 16 pounds of excess skin removed. Wow. 16 pounds. You're telling me that just starving myself a couple times is going to suck up all the skin? Like, stop it. Right. Like, it's just, it, it's it's crazy. We live in the, just everyone wants the extremes. And it's like, hey, that may help a little bit. It may tighten a couple things up. It's like lean muscle mass. Lean muscle mass, putting it on is a great thing. There's no amount of bench pressing in the world that's going to build a pec enough high, big enough for my droopy man boobs. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want me to tell you? Yeah. Now, 100% with my arms, like, I'll do, like, so here, oh, let's do it this way. Um, so, like, ex- like, I didn't get excess skin removed in my arms. Mm-hmm. But then, guess what? You fill lean muscle mass, and mm-hmm. you, you can't, unless I pull on it, you can't really tell. Right. Um, so, yeah. And how was that? I, I mean... How was that uh, skin removal surgery? I mean, I heard that it's super painful and a long time to recover. How was it for you? So um, I've had enough surgeries in my life that I didn't, I wasn't overly, I'm not a fearful kind of guy when it comes Mm -hmm. to stuff like that. So I had a, I had a waist, hips and butt excess skin removal surgery. So I have a circumferential, I have a scar completely around my, like my belt line. Um, I could have pantsed me. Um, with my skin. <laughs> um, and then I had a chest. And the chest, honestly, was a breeze. Like, I mean, it it was wow. a breeze. Um, I Yeah, I have big nipples. I still do. It is what it is. Uh, <laughs> hey, listeners. <laughs> uh, but when it comes to waist, tips, and butt, it was pretty brutal. Um, it Like, I had all these ports and drains. And it was a solid 14 weeks or so, 16 weeks before I got myself back in the gym in any routine. Um, I have a funny story with that. So I was like eight weeks post-op. I didn't have any drains anymore. All my, my, my whole incision line looked really good. And I was actually down in Orlando for a business conference. And I got talked into, we got free tickets to Disney. Mm-hmm. And I got talked into doing Tower of Terror. And I was like, I still had this little compression wrap thing on, but like everything was fine. And I go on Tower of Terror and like the second drop, all of a sudden I hear, I feel like a on my left like hip and I tore my incision open and I started bleeding down my hip. Oh my and God. And I was like, shit. And so I call my dad and I'm like, yo, I just tore my incision. And I had like a, like a, nickel size hole which is blood um dripping down my hip and he's like you you gotta you gotta call your your surgeon i'm like all right so i'm like dr rianucci how we doing he's like how we doing david i'm like i tore my incision he's like you're eight weeks post-op how'd you tear your incision and i was like i was on a roller coaster (laughs) he's he literally over the phone is like you fucking idiot <laughs> it was so fun. And I jabbed at him because I was like, hey, technically in your discharge papers, it said nothing about not going on roller coasters. And he was like, you know, I'm going to have to put that in there now. I'm like, well, <laughs> it's you're welcome. Right? <laughs> so, yeah. So, like, I'm, I, on my left hip, I have a little bit of an extra scar just because of that. But, um, 
Yeah, I mean, it sucks. It, it depends on the person. I've heard horror stories of people getting infections, and that's what it comes down to. If you have infections, sure. it makes the process a lot harder. Um, if you don't have infections, it tends to be pretty smooth. Um, did, yeah. And did you ever feel during that 14 weeks of not being able to be in the gym, did you ever feel your you wanting to go back to your old habits? 100%. Oh, go, like, like 400-pound David habits or like gym habits? Well, just, I guess, uh, like the eating habits, the bad habits, uh, when you were overweight, not really, not to any extreme level. I mean, I did indulge a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, I did, I mean, I I still walked and stuff when I like, even though I couldn't lift, I couldn't lift for like 14, 16 weeks. I still walked and did miscellaneous stuff. Um, I'll admit, I, I have this conversation quite a bit when it comes to, and people don't like hearing this because I don't know. There's, there's a balance to it. Obviously, some psychological, some people they have a massive, massive emotional connection to their obese self, and like I can't change it. It's who I am, and it's some people really have issues. Um, I, without a shadow of a doubt, I remember after losing 50, 60 pounds, I made the decision. I'm like, I'm f- done. Like I will never ever ever it will never happen again i will never like i I don't know how i could say this in more of a assertive way it is not possible um like cut like take my legs in a car accident there's nothing that will that will get me to eat like an asshole again to the point to be 400 pounds it just it just it's impossible it just won't happen and so i don't have this overzealous fear of being three, 400 pounds again, because I just know it's not possible. Like I, I will yeah. never allow myself to do that again. Um, so I don't have this, cause I, I've dealt with people that they still, they, they still stuck in their 400 pound self. Um, I've completely washed my, I'm grateful for it. Um, I like, I'm grateful that I have perspective on health and life from it. I don't resent it. Um, but I will never go back. So, yeah. And I'm sure, I didn't even think about this when I asked the question, but you realize you're you're in this pain and you just went through this surgery because you were overweight. So 100%. I'm sure that actually probably helps you say, nope, I'm not going to mess this up while I'm, well, I just went through all this for that reason, you know? So I didn't even think about that. So I wish it makes complete sense. No. Yeah. And it's, I wish, because this is always a big question. Insurance didn't cover it. Like my oh. dad. Yeah. Insurance doesn't cover it. Um, Outside of a tummy tuck, insurance tends to not cover these things. Right. Um, and so I had to pay for it. So it was like uh, the, the chest surgery was like five or six grand. And then waist, hips, oh, and butt was man. like 15. So it was Holy like 21,000 for the two surgeries, 22,000. Um, but I, I, I'm super surprised. You would think there's got to be data out there that people that are significantly overweight that have excess skin removal surgery – their relapse rate has to be less. It has to be like, cause right. when you're stuck to all this excess skin and it compares you to your past life and all this kind of stuff and getting some of that removed, there's gotta be some good data behind like relapse rates that I'm surprised insurance doesn't cover more. Um, maybe like someone will show some data to justify it. Uh, but at this point in time, insurance doesn't cover a lot. Right. And some people get lucky, but I, most people don't. Which I wish in most, like in some cases, I wish it would, you know, if, if someone needs weight loss surgery to they cover that, ha- really, oh, I yeah. haven't seen any insurance that covers that weight loss surgery. Oh, they'll cover that bad boy. Most oh, weight loss surgery. Oh yeah. Like ins- insurance is pretty quick to pull the trigger on, on paying for weight loss surgery. Um, huh. there's not, but then it's funny cause they'll be quick to pay the, to pull the trigger on paying for weight loss surgery, but they will st- hold their hand back once the person loses 200 pounds and they need some excess skin removed. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, I'm glad to hear that because yep. I had no idea. And that makes sense. Cause I mean, you would think they would want to invest their money into covering that. So they're not dealing with all the other health issues exactly. that's going to cost six times more than what they paid for the, the weight loss surgery, you know? So you would think that, but I guess I'm under, I was just under the impression that no insurance covered that. No, actually insurance is pretty quick to pay for, um, weight loss surgery, which honestly, I hate to say like, I'm, I'm an advocate for weight loss surgery. However, 
we're starting to build this momentum into it almost being like the first line of defense. And I'm like, that's like, obviously you should burn every other bridge before someone has weight loss surgery. I'm not against it. Um, but I've, I've seen some people that are pretty quick to jump on the weight loss surgery bandwagon. And I'm like, there's, there's issues with weight loss surgery. It's not perfect by any means. Right. Um, there are some pretty solid complications that need to be talked about more. Um, and so like, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I have clients that literally their quote unquote failed weight loss surgery, um, people and like they, Contrary to popular belief, just because you had your stomach stapled does not make you build a better relationship with food, transform your life. Um, and so it actually makes it 10 times harder because, yeah, shoot, you know how hard it is to get a person who's had weight loss surgery to get their protein intake in? It's like impossible, man. Right. Like, I'm like, I'm trying to get to 0.7. My goal is just to get these people to 0.7 per lean body mass, not one. Like, like they, these people can barely eat three grams of chicken at a time while I'm eating like 10. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. And that's the thing too. Like you definitely already have to be practicing the, the weight loss before you do that surgery, mm-hmm. because you have to be in that mindset, like you said. And if you aren't, when you get that surgery, I mean, you're just, you're going to go back to your old habits. I mean, once you get that, that surgery, yeah, you won't be able to eat as much, but the more and more unnecessary and like calories that you are eating, the ones that are bad for you. And like the Twinkies, if you want to keep shoving those, eventually your stomach is just going to stretch back out. Yeah. To like where 18 months, so, two years after that, yeah, it'll exactly. start stretching back out. Exactly. Now I want to talk. So you mentioned earlier, you have a book that's yes. published and I want to hear about that. What, what's your book about? Obviously it's probably the weight loss stuff, but yep. I'm curious to know what exactly is all in that book. So it's called drop the baggage. Um, and it's, uh, on Amazon, it's, it's dropped the baggage and the subtitle is from suicidal obesity to a life of health and happiness. Um, and so like the first third of the book is or first quarter of the book is like my story of my weight loss. Um, the second quarter of the book is on the mindset side of change, like different mental habits and, and stuff like that, that psychologically helped me change. Um, third quarter is nutrition and then finally like fitness. Um, and in the book, I really just go into different, again, I, I go into the basics and like, I, I, I talk about different nutritional programs. I talk about their strengths and weaknesses. I talk about fasting. I talk about keto. I talk about all these different things. Um, what, what, what's beneficial with them? What does it mean? What does it not mean? Um, and then kind of that whole process of the book is honestly more of it's on the mental side of change than nutrition and fitness. Because obviously I just talk about walking and jogging. Like you don't have to do crazy compound movements. Um, you mm-hmm. can. You just don't have to. Um, and so, yeah. So it's, it's, it's basically just the, the thumbnail sketch or overview of what it would take to mentally, physically, and nutritionally lose hundreds of pounds. Yeah, that's amazing. And what was it called one more time? Drop the Baggage. Um, and then From Suicidal Obesity to a Life of Health and Happiness. Because that's actually... When I go into more on the in-depth side of my story, um, it's fascinating because like but when I was 18 and over 400 pounds, I, with no one knowing, I almost ended my life. Um, wow. And it's super fascinating to kind of go into the details of because when you think about it, God blessed me more than anybody on the face of the earth. I have, I had a, I have a dad who makes hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. I grew up in a 7,000 square foot house with an indoor basketball court in my house. Wow. Um, I had, my dad was, he would put me on the, the counter growing up on the, when he would be like uh, shaving his beard and he'd be like, hey, look at that man in the mirror. And he'd like, look at yourself and say you love him. So like I grew up with all the support. This is going to sound crazy. From the age of zero to 18, I never heard my parents argue. It didn't happen. Wow. And so like I grew up with support and like financial resources and I had great friends, great family. And yet somehow with all those blessings at 18, I was so depressed and 400 pounds that I thought the only way to, to get through my situation was to end it. And so isn't it fascinating that you can literally have it all and not see any of it. And so it's, it's I go into that in, in detail where it's like, 
the quality of your life truly doesn't come from your resources. Because if it did, I should have been the happiest and healthiest person on the face of the earth. And I can tell you that wasn't true. Um, and so I, I go into that more in, de- in detail. And it was actually a super emotional moment because none of my friends knew. Um, obviously, my parents didn't know. And I gave my dad my manuscript to my book. And he was one of the first people to read it. And I, I, at the time, I, when I wrote the thing, I didn't think about that moment. Like, I just wrote it. And I remember he read the manuscript and he comes up to me. I've, I've witnessed my dad cry like four times my entire life. And he was bawling his eyes out saying he was sorry. Like, he had no idea. And I'm like, Dad, how would you know? Like, you, you were working a lot. Like, what, like, there's nothing. Like, I'm fine now. Like, it all worked out. Like, don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, but he, it, it hit him to the core cause he just thought he was, he failed as a father for, for that experience. Um, but it's like, how was he supposed to know his dad died when he was 12 and he was working 70, 80 hours a week and just doing what he thought was right. Like, like I don't blame my dad for it. Like he just did what he thought right. was right. Um, and so, so yeah, but I think it gives, I, I have a very unique perspective on health and happiness because, you can fuck it up really bad. <laughs> and, yeah, and it is absolutely. self-inflicted, whether people like to hear it or not. Um, you, le- you can learn a lot from your parents on what not to do and, and your upbringing. Um, but you play one of the most pivotal roles in the quality of your life is your decisions and your mindset and your beliefs. Yeah. Well, when you were at that age of 18 and you felt that way, was it because of the way you looked and felt uh, physically or was it other people bullying and, and really just kind of messing with you in that? See, way? That's always a great one. Um, to be honest, I wasn't bullied that much. I really wasn't. Okay. Now again, I, I, I just did a TikTok post on this because, um, I had a hard time. Like I never had a girlfriend in high school and college just because like 400 pound me. And I was actually always, always attracted to physically, like physically fit women. And so you're 400 pounds and you're attracted to physically fit women. Good luck. Uh, good luck. Maybe, but good luck. Unless you're seven. Yeah. <laughs> you, you got a billion dollars in the bank account and maybe you're, you got some, you got some leverage. Um, yeah. but so, yeah. So like, and to be honest, was there occasional, someone call me fat, of course, but I was the, I was more of a bully to myself than any person was to me. The shit I would say to myself, you're a loser, you're never going to get out of this. You're too far gone. Um, and the same time when I was 18, like my senior year of high school, I'm a very intellectual kid. I, I was blessed. Like dad's background of intelligence. I'm a very smart person. And mm-hmm. my senior year final semester, I had a 1.8 GPA. And like, so I'm, I'm failing classes. No one knew. Because I was the still the, the, at the school. I was still so smart and charismatic that no one, none of the the teachers, none of the administration put two and two together that my grades were shit, and because I shouldn't, have, I was on the golf team at the time, and I shouldn't have been able to golf because I had a one point eight. You had to have at least a two point. But the, my coach didn't look my grades because obviously on the outside I was funny, charismatic, smart, everything. So I never checked, and so I yeah. slipped through the cracks. Um, but it's like it truly is in that situation. I was more of a bully to myself than any person was to me. Like, like I just said ruthless shit to myself. Like, you're just a fat piece of shit. Like, why don't you, why can't you change? Like, why are you such a loser? Um, and I just felt like the idea of losing 200 pounds was just so astronomically impossible. And I felt so trapped in that body that I felt like the only way to get through it was to end it. Like, cause I, it was the, it was truly the body. It was truly the, the body. Cause at that time being 400 pounds, I was pre-diabetic. I had high blood pressure. Uh, my back was so jacked. I was going to the chiropractor three days a week. And so, I mean, I, I was in physical pain from all that. And it was just like, am I going to do this for the next 70 years? Like this sucks. Uh, yeah. And that's where it's like, I say this full circle, like I get it more than most of what being significantly overweight does to your body. I learned at a very young age. And so the fat phobia, like the, the fat acceptance movement and all this stuff, it just, it's just founded in just delusion. 
Cause like, there's just no quality of life in that shit. Like there isn't like, it's just not a good place to be. Do you have to have six pack abs to be healthy? Of course not. But 400 plus pounds, like you're, you're out of your mind. If you think that's a quality place to live, like it's just not. 100%. Yeah. That, this has been absolutely amazing, man. And your story is so incredible and inspiring. And I hope all these listeners, anybody that's struggling, you know, go pick up his book. He is, David's just so cool. And, and, you know, his journey, check out his TikTok. Uh, what's your TikTok name? Yeah. On, so on all that? my social media handles are fit, F I T D rock, D R O C K. Uh, fit underscore D rock is my Insta, TikTok, everything. Yeah. Go check out David on all his social media. He helps people. He is definitely motivational and this has been so much fun and I have a lightning round. If you're all oh, okay fire away, baby. Cool. <laughs> so if you won the lotto, what would be your first purchase? I bought my dad a vet. So my nice. dad is super practical and like he grew up uh, poor in the South side of Chicago and uh, he thinks like a Corvette is too much of an indulgence. And he'd be like, well, I'll be the only one that drives it and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I'm buying you a vet because he won't do it for himself. <laughs> the new style new or one. the old I style? Lo- I'll be honest. I'm a little biased. I love the new <sighs> one. I love the center engine. They're so Oh, my awesome, gosh. Man. They're so oh sexy. Oh, my God. Oh. Yes, I agree. I've never been a vet fan. But when this one came out, I mean, it reminds me so much of, you know, the Lamborghini or Ferrari and style. And they can compete. And it, They truly can compete with, with yeah. all those cars, the supercars, for seventy to 100000 Right. So beautiful, man. Uh, <laughs> so if you only had 24 hours to live, what would you do? Right. Right. What I'm doing right now. I, I love my life. I, I, I have a very close family relationship. I spend a lot of time with my, my parents. Um, I work online and remotely. So working with clients, making different content to help people. Um, honestly, I do everything I'm doing right now. Okay. And I, I assume you like oh, steak. Oh Yeah. How do you take uh, it? Medium rare to the point, almost mooing. Okay. If I, That's anytime, awesome. <laughs> like my mom likes my, like I'm the big cook in the family. And you know how hard it is to cook a medium rare steak while simultaneously frying my mom's? It drives me nuts. <laughs> like literally she wants it charring and I'm like, this hurts my soul. It hurts my soul. <laughs> And that's why I asked this question because everybody's, I guess, taste for me, if they are meat eaters, is yep. just so different. I mean, and, and I hear a lot of people, why, how can you eat a steak well done? It's like, well, that's the way I like it. Or how can you eat it with all the blood? Huh? That's just the way I like that's it, you know? Funny. And that's, everybody's different. That's why I, like I have that, that question in here. <laughs> Do you have a celebrity crush? Mila Kunis. Mila oh, Kunis. I love I love you. Yeah. So, <laughs> and it's funny because have you ever seen Forgetting 100%. Sarah Marshall? So, I have the biggest crush on uh, Kristen Bell as well. <laughs> so, having those two in the same movie, I was just like, this is the best That's movie funny. ever made. If you can compare your life to a movie, what movie would you compare it to? I, I would, I, this is a tough, tough one. one. I would, honestly, so like my, you can kind of go off my name. Uh, my celebrity crush when it comes to actors and stuff is Dwayne Johnson, obviously the rock. And so mm. I, I could say like four or five different Dwayne Johnson movies. I w- that that's probably where I'd go. And, and some light of one of Dwayne Johnson's movies. <laughs> First for me, inspirational as far as bodybuilding is Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's okay. definitely my favorite. And then the rock comes in second. I'm a huge, I'm a huge Dwayne Johnson fan. I really am. I just think, what he's done, I mean, you see the transformation from when he was, you know, in the WWF and WWE yep. and then in Scorpion King to where he's at now. It's just, it's incredible. That guy doesn't stop. He can do His anything. discipline is <laughs> yeah. ridiculous. It, he's on so a lot of good. gear, but he's right. disciplined beyond anything. Yeah, absolutely. It's wild. <laughs> well, David, this has been so much fun, man. And you are incredible. And honestly, I'm going to get off of this and I'm going to go buy your book. Cause now I'm, I'm honestly, I'm going to, I'm really fascinated. I want to read it. Uh, this has inspired me to, uh, you know, get back into my old lifestyle and, and really make a change. So thank you for coming on and, and helping me get through that. 
Hey, it's been an absolute pleasure, and you've been a great host. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Well, you take care, and we'll stay in contact, and uh, I'm probably going to have a lot of questions along my journey as well, so I'm excited Open to book, talk baby. to you. All right, man. Well, thank you so much. You have a good night. You as well. All right, bye-bye. Tick-tocking with Kevin Hughes. Yeah, I told you that David was so inspiring and motivational. It's absolutely insane how much this guy has accomplished. And I think he's going to do so well with everything he's trying to do with his business. It was so much fun talking to him. David, I know you're listening. Dude, amazing job. Everything amazing. So happy for you, man, and all your accomplishments. As for the rest of you, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. And as always, I will see you next week with another fabulous guest right here on TikToking with me, Kevin Hughes. And if I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Bye-bye now.